0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at Fox, and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm
0: Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. My guest today has been at the center of the Russia election investigation since the very beginning, Devin Nunez, welcome.
1: Thanks, Bill. It's great to be on. I actually listen to your podcast. You're on my list of podcasts that I download. Oh, oh, I
0: appreciate that. that. It's Thank pleasure. you. Pleasure to be on. You know what I say, tell a million people we take all listeners, right? I
1: understand. <laughs> uh, by way of
0: introduction, Republican congressman out of California, 22nd District. So you're you're, you're south of Fresno, but right in farm country, right? Yeah. Uh, you're the ranking member in the House Intelligence Committee, and you will be in the room July 17, next Wednesday, when Bob Mueller testifies. Do you think this hearing happens?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, if I was Mueller, I wouldn't show up. Uh, you heard Bill Barr say that he doesn't have to show up. Um, I don't know. I It's still a possibility that it doesn't happen, but A little hard for him to back out at this point.
0: Interesting. Bars told me in El Salvador a few months ago he doesn't have a problem with it. Um, Just, do you have a problem with him showing up or not?
1: No, I I want him to show up. Uh, The thing that I'd really like for him to do is set for a deposition, uh, something that would be longer and a better format than just five minute questions on television. I think that's just playing Mm -hmm. to the audience and, you know, get your. Three-minute or you know thirty-second YouTube clip. Uh, so I'd would prefer for him to sit down for you know, the, you know more as long as it takes. You know if he could do four hours, five hours in a day, and come back the following day or the following week, that would be better. But there's there's a whole bunch of questions that need to be answered, and you know what he said is he's not going to go beyond uh, what he said in his nine-minute press conference. Which you know, I think is unacceptable.
0: He said he's sticking to what's in the report, and there's some suggestion that he just he could read directly from it.
1: Yeah, well, if he uh, the, the report is is you know I they call it the Mueller report, I call it the Mueller dossier. If you look at both, you know, part one and part two, or volume one, volume two, uh, it's an embarrassment. Uh, you know, pro- probably the most notable embarrassment is is that that. You know, compared to the House Republican Intelligence Report, where we make forty-some recommendations uh, as to what needs to be done to make sure that we protect our uh, voting systems and v- voting and in, uh, in- election integrity, that uh, should be first and foremost at top of you know Mueller's list of what he should have done because he was supposed to look into originally election meddling. Yeah. Like now, the American people, if you really understand this, the what I call the RussiaGate hoax, you now know that. Uh, this was actually set up to be an obstruction of justice trap. And what they were really doing for the better part of, of the entire investigation was just trying to catch the president uh, in, a, in an obstruction of justice uh, scenario.
0: Well, it is true that on page one, he draws his conclusion that there was no collusion. Um, just back to the hearing for next week. Do you know your first question?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not going to give it all away here on, on your uh, understood. Podcast. Uh, but but I will say that because of the five minute questioning, um, you know what I what I'm trying to advise all of our members to not do is don't give a three minute speech and then ask a a wide ranging question that then just allows Mueller to pontificate and say nothing. So what I'm going to try to do, what our team's going to do, the Republicans at least on the House Intelligence Committee, so we're going to try to work through a bunch of questions that that need to be answered you know yes or no questions and there's there's some real simple ones out there uh like you know to start with uh, did you know that Andrew Weissman was in was briefed on the dossier in the summer of 2016 and that's an easy one to start with
0: why is that so important
1: well because Muller's or because Weissman who was the was Mueller's deputy uh, he was in the chain of custody of the major piece of evidence that started this investigation, which was the the Clinton paid for, Democrat paid for dossier, steel dossier, and and that you know should never happen. If a, if an attorney is involved somehow in the chain of custody of the evidence, they shouldn't be involved in the investigation itself. Mm. It's just I'm not a lawyer, but you know all the lawyers around me that work uh, for the. House Intelligence Committee and the Congress and the lawyers that we have in Congress all say that that's just like in the, you know, one hundred and one handbook of what not to do as a as a prosecutor.
0: So you give us an idea here about what Republicans want from this hearing. What do Democrats want from it?
1: I'm assuming they want Mueller to go off into the ditch and say, well, yeah, you know, this was bad. The president. Shouldn't have done this, and you know, if it was me, I would have done something different. That's that's what they're hoping for. Uh, also, I'm I'm assuming they're also hoping for, you know, the 20 second soundbite of Mueller saying nasty things that make the president look bad. And and look, that's what you know. We you asked this question just a few minutes ago about and we about the Mueller report, and we started to get into it. But you know, this is that the Mueller report is is a piece of rhetoric, okay? it's a. It reads like a a terrible Russian spy novel. You know, like, like a, just another example of that if you're a real, I always say if you're a real Russiagate hoax expert, you know who Joseph Mifsud is, which he was a, for your listeners who don't know, uh, he was the Maltese professors described by Mueller. Well, what he really was is he was a Longtime Malta diplomat uh, who did training uh, for NATO, our own FBI, likely other elements of our intelligence community, member, uh, many other intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies in Europe. Uh, so he acted as like a trainer, advisor, ran courses for law enforcement people all over the globe. So he stopped short of saying in his report. That Mifsud is a Russian agent. He never says that. Now, James Comey says that he's a Russian agent in the Washington Post about a month ago, but Mueller never does say that. He alludes to it, and if, if you don't know Joseph Mifsud from Joe Smith, you think, you read that, and you would come away with, oh, man, this Joseph Mifsud guy must be a really bad guy. Right. So the, the point of, of, of that is, is that Mifsud is the guy who supposedly knows about the emails He supposedly tells Papadopoulos this, which was a a Trump campaign uh, worker. And that's how that's the excuse that they use that when to open up this investigation. Uh, And so I, I skip a point, but a guy named Alexander Downer, who is the high commissioner, which means the ambassador from Australia to the United Kingdom. So he meets with Papadopoulos. And Papadopoulos tells him something about the professor, about that there's some uh, dirt on Clinton. I don't know if he uses dirt exactly, but never says emails to Downer. Downer then runs off and tells our State Department folks at our embassy in London, this is what the FBI uses as their predicate supposedly for the investigation. Now, that is technically true in terms of the paperwork. But that is truly not how this investigation started, nor yeah. when it started. it started. So,
0: what, what is your hunch? That. What is your hunch as to when it started and why?
1: I believe it started in late 2015, uh, early 2016, for sure. So, let me tell you what we know for sure: that it's that it's before July 30th. The reason we know that is because. Carter Page and other Trump associates are getting mysterious invites to attend a conference in Cambridge uh, and that that's all happening in June uh, the, and then the conference takes place in early July. Now if that's true you know who's inviting this these these Trump associates to this conference? Why are they being invited and does our FBI counterintelligence team know about this mm-hmm So, you know, we know that many FBI high-ranking officials were taking trips to London in the spring of 2016. In in
0: order to go to Cambridge at that point.
1: Well, they were taking trips to to do something there. And so someone puts on this conference, somebody pays for this conference, somebody sends these invites out. Um, Now, look, could it be Fusion GPS? It it could be. And, in fact, you know, when we first were in the middle of this investigation – we believe that it was a fusion GPS linked group working with Christopher Steele, working with operatives in, in London that were being paid to dirty up the Trump campaign. That was what we initially believed. But now we actually believe that the FBI was involved in this because there were too many high ranking officials going over to London during that time period. And things just don't don't add up.
0: So what, so what you're suggesting is they were putting the bait out there and seeing who took it.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but we have text messages that kind of say that to some degree. Why, why I would this,
0: if you're right, why would that happen?
1: Well, our guess is, is they never thought they were going to get caught. So one of the keys to this whole investigation is, and important for the American people to understand this, this key point of, of, of all the points. There's nothing wrong with a campaign, a political campaign, being put under investigation. It happens not all the time, but it happens, right? So, you know, but, it's, but it's criminal in nature, right? So if someone uh, misspent uh, campaign funds, for example, right? That would be matter of fact. There's members of Congress that have been in trouble for that and, and went to jail. Uh, we've had senators lose their Senate seats because of the misuse of campaign funds. So those are those are you know criminal uh, criminal complaints where you have where everything is done above above board, where you have to have a grand jury involved. But when you use counterintelligence, and this is the key, you do not have a grand jury. You only have a secret court. But that's only if you go to get a warrant. Before all that, you can use counterintelligence to investigate a campaign. Now, keep in mind, we oversee counterintelligence at the House Intelligence Committee. Now, I never even knew that they could look at a campaign. I never even thought that they would even think about it, about using these special capabilities. Because counterintelligence is really used to track down terrorists, track down spies, track down people that are (coughs) trying to steal our nation's secrets. That's what counterintelligence is supposed to be used for. Never uh, Mm -hmm. in a million years did I ever think that they'd use the secret, very powerful capabilities to not only target a political campaign, but target a presidential campaign, which is even worse. And then we can go on from there, but everybody knows that this investigation was largely predicated on the Clinton-paid-for dirt that was in the Steele dossier. Yeah.
0: A couple of specific questions. Uh, one question Bill Barr had um, that he thinks is very important is that when did investigators for Mueller conclude there was no collusion? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe the answer he said, and uh, Michael McKenzie, the former attorney general, suggested the same thing. If you knew very early on, or rather early on, why not come out and tell us? Now, that did not happen. Why do you think that question is so important?
1: Well, that's why I say that's why what I said uh, earlier, uh, I was I was alluding to it, that that this was really not a collusion investigation, collusion conspiracy investigation. It was actually an obstruction of justice trap that was set. Okay, so they didn't have any evidence of collusion or conspiracy at the time that Mueller walked in the door. Now, how do I know that? Because we were already running an investigation at the House Intelligence Committee. We had supposedly received every bit of information that had anything to do with any Russian contacting anyone in the Trump campaign. Okay? So we knew at that point, you know, look, where's the collusion at? Where's the conspiracy? Who do you have? There was, there was no one. There was no one except for the people that were mentioned in the Steele dossier. There, were, there was all rumors in any window. So we had no hard evidence from our 17 intelligence agencies. Uh, we had no – I shouldn't even say hard evidence. We had zero evidence that there was any evidence of collusion. So remember, Peter Strzok says in a text message before the, just two weeks before the special counsel is appointed that there's no there there, meaning that there was no evidence of, of collusion or conspiracy with the Russians on behalf of the Trump campaign. So then you move forward from there, and they say, well, Trump fired uh, Comey. Well, Comey leaked his memos illegally to uh, the New York Times. And, but even in the memos, uh, Trey Gowdy uh, always liked to say that exhibit number one, that Trump wasn't trying to obstruct justice, were the Comey memos, because Trump in, his, in the memos is saying, I want you to investigate this. This isn't true. These things didn't happen. You know, he was very upset about the the P-tape, uh, and I won't get into the P-tape mm-hmm. for your listeners, but it's disgusting stuff. So, so there was no collusion at the time Mueller was stood up. There was an attempt to set up obstruction using the Comey memos, but that was either cut or dry. Either you look at the Comey memos and you say, yep, you obstructed justice, Trump, we're going to go after you. So then what were they doing the rest of the time, Bill? Yeah. Because... There, there is no evidence they did anything. They, uh, I'll go back to Joseph Mipsid. They, they never tell us. They spent $40 million, and you can't tell us who Joseph Mipset That's is? That's very
0: interesting, yes. Joe De is a lawyer in Washington, D.C. He did a piece at FoxNews.com this past week. He, he asked a few questions that I had not thought about or considered, and here's just a few of them, okay? Okay. Did Mueller destroy evidence? Now, I, that was the first time I had heard about that. What is that about?
1: That I would assume there. Well, there could be numerous uh, items, but the most important would be the text messages between Struck and Page. So, during the most critical time, when Comey leaks his memos, Mueller, the Mueller uh, team has stood up. We're missing weeks, if not months, of text messages between Struck and Page. So you know how did those disappear? Uh-huh. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so here's an obvious one: Why did Mueller not reach a conclusion on obstruction? And what the Geneva argues his theory is that that was a way to develop on the House side an impeachment strategy. Do you buy that?
1: I I do because what I, what I believe they were doing was they actually this investigation was not an investigation into collusion. It wasn't an investigation into obstruction of justice. It was an obstruction of justice trap. So what they were doing is they were trying to hold out this investigation as long as possible, bust people here and there for nickel-and-dime stuff, like obstructing an investigation, lying to Congress. And eventually you catch somebody. And eventually they they would get Trump. What they were probably trying to get Trump to do is say something publicly, tweet something or, and probably their, their, their best dream was for him to fire Mueller.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, that's probably what, and then you'd have you know, public sympathy, public support, and say, and you know, the American people would say, oh my God, Trump did obstruct justice, he, this investigation was going on, they were doing all this great stuff, and wow, he fired the special uh, counsel. So, um, that's what I believe they were trying to get him to do in their, in their wildest imagination, uh, but they were probably also, you know, God knows what else they were trying to do, right? Between all the staffers they were they were interviewing, right? You know what? You know all you know basically every single staffer for the president was interviewed by the special counsel, and it was all about obstruction of justice. It wasn't about Russians. So you know there were there were no Russians except for the Fusion GPS Clinton paid for Russians. They knew there was no collusion before the before the special counsel was stood up. They knew there was no obstruction because if they were truly investigating obstruction of justice, I don't want to be repetitive here, Bill, but if you, if that's what we, you know, he fires Comey. Comey's got his memos. Boom, you got all the evidence you need. That's it. You know?
0: Many have wondered if there were those, if Mueller stacked the deck on his team and they were determined to take down the president. I don't think Mueller's even going to touch that question.
1: No, I doubt he won't I, answer that. I, I doubt Mueller answers too many questions. Uh, but, You know, look, we, we if know if that's
0: the case, easy. then if that's the case. Then, you know, what is your strategy? You get five minutes, as you mentioned earlier. How much can you get done in five minutes? If you if you go with yes or no questions, apparently you can. You could frame the question beforehand. Um, how much well, would? You, what would well, be all your?
1: We're trying to do is fill in. We have unanswered questions that we do not that that we would like to know the answers to like the Weissman question the exa- that example that I gave you uh-huh. at the beginning of the podcast those are the types of questions that are yes or no questions that we we really don't know. I think if you know another there's another additional Weissman question uh, that I'll that I'll give you a peek into and that is that in 2017 right before the Mueller team has stood up, Weissman meets with AP reporters. So Weissman and supposedly some FBI officials, we don't know who, briefed AP reporters on something to do with the Trump-Russia investigation. Now this is stuff that they hid from our committee, they obstructed it from our, they obstructed our, our investigation, they never told us what ultimately what Weissman was talking to these reporters about, and look, I'm sorry, we're the United States Congress. We're a separate branch of government. We're running an investigation uh, into what Russia did during the election, and and obviously investigating the investigators. You have the the number two investigator for Mueller, who becomes the number two investigator for Mueller, briefing reporters, and you're telling me that they don't have to answer the question to the U.S. Congress about what that one of these top officials at the Department of Justice who had already been in in control, and custody of the Steele dossier, the Clinton dirt, and you don't have to tell us what on earth he was briefing AP reporters about. It's just wrong, and it stinks. And, and look, I, I say this not because I'm proud to say it, but these are all a bunch of dirty cops, and, and I'll tell you, some of them better go to jail or we're going to go down in a spiral in this country because you will not have a Republican that, that will trust the FBI or the Department of Justice for generations to come.
0: Wow. A few more questions and uh, I appreciate your time today. Uh, the IG report do you know when that will be made public?
1: Well I'm expecting that uh, I think we from everything we understand, they've they've finished all their interviews. Uh, there's been a few things that have delayed it, probably most notably notably. And if you're a true Russia gate hoax expert, you know this question. Kathleen Kavalek. So Kathleen Kavalek is a was the number two in Europe. For the State Department, she was also, guess what, briefed by Christopher Steele, the Clinton operative, on the dossier. She raises questions about and writes a memo, sends that off to the FBI, and raises important questions like the fact that Steele claims that this operation is running, being run out of the Russian consulate in Miami. She points out that that pot can't possibly be true. You know why? Because there's no Russian consulate in Miami. So this is why is that date in early October important? Because it's before they go and get the warrant to spy on Carter Page to go back and get emails from the Trump campaign. Uh, what was that date again? Uh, it was around October 10th, roughly.
0: Uh, 2000 and 2016.
1: 2016. And then it's late October, of about. 10 days, 12 days after that, that the FBI seeks a warrant, FISA warrant, secret spy warrant, once again, a secret court, no grand jury, to spy on Carter Page, which which effectively allows you to, assuming that Trump campaign people had emailed uh, Carter Page, it would allow them to get those emails from the campaign, oh, and anybody that Page was talking it,
0: to. It just sounds so twisted, and we'll see how much light is shed on it when Mueller appears, Christopher Steele, though, was we learned this past week that he had been interviewed by a few investigators from the Department of Justice. Do you know how that went?
1: Yeah. So the way what I understand, and this is just from press reports, that those are those DOJ officials are actually Horowitz, the inspector general's investigators. So supposedly they sat down with him for what seems like a fairly lengthy amount of time. Uh, able to ask him some questions. Now, this will be another thing that that will be a whole other podcast, but, you know, the media is culpable on this. So you had a great example of four major media outlets cover that these inspector uh, general, the Horowitz people interviewed Christopher Steele. Now, all four of these outlets are all what I call Russia hoaxers. So they're media people that are well into the Russia hoax. They wrote, you know, numerous Russia hoax stories. Now, I can tell you, uh, you know, with almost 100 percent certainty, the investigators did not brief. The DOJ investigators, Horowitz investigators, did not brief these four Russia hoax reporters. The only people that, that it could have been is somebody who talked to Christopher Steele. What's, it, what's a common theme through all four of these? of these media reports it's a, it's all a common theme of oh what a what a great person christopher still was and how cooperative he was i mean th- this is just an absolute joke and so at some point the media has got to be held accountable uh, especially the ones that are official russia hoaxers i mean there's probably there's probably a good 3 to 4 dozen major media folks that are russia hoaxers and and you know it's an embarrassment to the profession uh, but worse than that it's, it's degraded the ability of the press. And, you know, we all have our First Amendment rights. We have the press has their rights to investigate things, but, you know, not when they're essentially being partisan assets, you know, assets for Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS. You know, we know that, that Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele were briefing reporters. And the fact that reporters would be so lazy, so disingenuous, so dishonest, to take any information from Fusion GPS or Christopher Steele. At this point, you know they probably knew it. Like I always say that the media was in on this from the beginning. They knew in, in the summer of 2016 what was going on. They knew the Clinton campaign was playing Fusion GPS. It was the House Republicans who had to figure it out but and make it public. The only people who didn't know was Donald Trump and, and the Republicans in this country. Oh. But all the major media think, organizations, they knew. They knew about.
0: I think you're right. That is uh, that could be a whole new podcast. And I hope you come back for that. T- two right. remaining questions for you. OK. In March of 2017, during a hearing on the Hill. So that's more well over two years ago. You were the first to suggest members of the Trump campaign were spied on. I think, the, I think that day I looked it up, you called it improper surveillance. You remember that day, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you step away from the Russia matter. I don't know if it was a recusal or what it was, but it. you later came back to the committee on, on Russia matters. How do you view that period now? Uh, with, everything, well, so with, with, the, with everything you're giving us today, do you, do you feel vindicated or did you make mistakes along the way? How do you characterize it?
1: Uh, probably, uh, let me start with the, your last question. I mean, the only mistake uh, that I made uh, is trusting our FBI and DOJ, uh, knowing now, if I would have known then what I know now, uh, we would have been blasting out subpoenas left and right in March. But well, actually, it would have been in, in January. So, so the reason that I figured out that, that there was something going wrong, that was the leak of the Flynn-Kislyak conversation. Okay, that is a major leak that it should have it should have sent shivers through DOJ and FBI. They should have had every single available FBI agent in the country trying to track down who would leak a call between the incoming national security adviser and the Russian ambassador. Okay, that nobody ever got to the bottom of that. Nobody did a real investigation of it. So that's why we were looking for the improper surveillance. And what we found was, is that there were that Trump transition officials were being caught up in intelligence reports and then being unmasked. And some of those actually were leaked to the press, okay, which I can't get into which ones those were, but, you know, another more examples of things that should have been prosecuted. So that's what happened in March. And if you remember, just so the story is, is correct for your listeners, uh, they brought me under, the Democrats on the left started accusing me of leaking information. And so what happened at the time is all I I stepped aside from leading the Russian investigation into Russian election interference. But I continued at that point to look into FISA abuse and other matters and unmaskings, which essentially was the real investigation in all this, because we already knew at the time in March that there was that there was that nothing that there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. So, so
0: all this time that's kind later, of the whole, I, yeah, I met,
1: kind of the whole story.
0: I, I mentioned the word vindication. Is that the right word for you now?
1: Uh, well, look, there's there's really no vindication in, in a subject like this, in this whole drama, uh, because this whole situation is awful. Uh, nobody should be proud of it. Uh, nobody should be, feel vindicated. Uh, and I think the only way that we fix this problem. Uh, is if the people who perpetuated this hoax end up in jail. Wow.
0: Final question. Do you have a prediction as to where we are after Bob Mueller's day on the Hill?
1: <laughs> well, the, the inspector general's report is key because there'll be, there'll be new evidence. People should keep in mind that the inspector general can only interview uh, people who uh, are, are current employees of Department of Justice or FBI. Uh, they were able to get convinced Steele to come in for an interview, but they have no way to; they don't have subpoena power. So Horowitz is really limited as to as to what he can do and what he can see. But there should be good information there. But the real investigation is being done by the U.S. Attorney out of Connecticut, uh, Mr. Durham, uh, and I expect that at a very minimum. We will know. We will have full transparency into what actually took place by the FBI in 2015 and 2016 uh, into the into the campaigns. Now we've made criminal referrals, as as you know, it is we've we've made two conspiracy referrals. One on the manipulation of intelligence for political purposes. The other referral is on um, uh, the FISA court and illegal spying. Uh, that uh, – but, but it's hard to prove a conspiracy, and that's going to be the challenge for Durham is, you know, can he get someone to talk? Is there a smoking gun document? Yeah. And, and he can speak so to people
0: can. outside of government or who are no longer with the government, which it, is a key distinction can. between him and the inspector general Horowitz. Uh, but do, do you expect Mueller on seven seventeen? Do you expect a bombshell or do you expect a fizzle?
1: I I don't think we know at this point, right? I mean, I I, I'd love to uh, I'd love to speculate. I mean, I I'd like to see if he's truthful with us in his in his answers. You know, is he you know because we're going to have you know very simple questions. So will he answer them? And if he doesn't, if he if he refuses to answer, I think that will be quite quite telling. Okay. You know, and God knows what the you know the Democrats will continue to do what they've done, and that is continue to perpetuate a hoax. And that is you know, the whole hoax that Trump was somehow involved with the Russians when the reality was and is. And the irony in this whole damn story is the only people that were colluding with Russians was the Clinton campaign and the Democrats. And I, I don't say that as a partisan. Those are just the facts. And you know, that's why you know, I appreciate you know, the opportunity to come on your podcast and uh, obviously be interviewed by you on Fox. Uh, and I wish uh, that more reporters would try to get the truth out. No.
0: Thank you for your time. Devin Nunes, the Republican from California, ranking member, House Intelligence Committee, Bob Mueller's hearing is scheduled for Wednesday, July 17th. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmertown.